hey, we're actually in a new prayer series. We're starting a whole new series that we're going to spend six weeks looking at prayer. But how are we going to do that? We're actually going to be walking through the Lord's Prayer. And you might be sitting there going, what's the Lord's Prayer? I've never heard of this. Well, it's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they came and actually asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we find this prayer in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. And so it's set up really well in the Gospel of Luke. And it says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. It's really interesting here. We, we got to understand that, that Jesus was a Jew and the disciples were Jews and the Jewish people loved prayer. They had lots of different prayers that they would pray. So prayer wasn't weird to them like it is for us. And if we look at the first century, the first century is full of people who believed in a deity, believed in a higher power. There wasn't many atheists around in that time like there is today. Everyone kind of believed in something. So everyone had this kind of prayer life that they'd be praying to some sort of God. So this wasn't weird for them. And they were disciples. And a disciple literally just means a student. So Jesus gathered 12 men to follow him, to learn from him. And he was their teacher. And so they come to him and they ask, how do we pray? And Jesus says, when you pray, say, and we go to Matthew 6 because we have the fullness of the prayer there. It says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our sins as we are also forgiven our debtors or we've forgiven those that sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so what we're going to do over these next six weeks, we're actually going to walk through the Lord's Prayer and we're going to break it up into these six sections. The first week, which I'm talking about this week, is teach us to pray. This hunger and desire for prayer, which we see in the disciples. The next week, we're going to be looking at our Father, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? What does it mean to hallow God's name? And then we're going to look at your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How we get to participate in bringing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And then we're going to be looking at our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. That we're not only asking for normal provision of bread, but we're also asking for a, a spiritual bread. And then we're going to look at forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. You know, forgiveness is central to the gospel. It's central to our belief. In the last week, we're going to look at deliver us from temptation and the evil one. Every one of us suffer from temptations. Even Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, but he did not sin. We need to understand that there is an evil one out there that we actually need to fight against. So before we get into this message, I'd love to pray. Would you please join me? <laughs> Heavenly Father, I know there are times where I struggle with prayer and I'm sure there are many out here that struggle with prayer too. But I pray that you would help me teach your word, your truth. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach it with grace and truth and love. The Lord, in the end, they wouldn't look to me, they'd only look to you. The one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, my son, my younger son, Eden, he loves Lego. He's 11 years old. And if you go into his room, his walls are full of Lego models. So we get Lego together. I get the little ones because they're easy. And he gets the big ones that take like 16 hours to do. 
and we build Lego together. And we put him up. I had to put all these shelves up in his room so he could display all of his Lego. And there are times where I'm sitting on the couch and he's doing a big build, so I'm done like in a couple of hours, but he has a huge build to do. And he's got it all over the dining table. It's everywhere. It's spread out everywhere. And he's building it. And all of a sudden, he starts getting frustrated. He's like, ah! And I'm sitting there on the couch going, yeah, I wonder what's going on there. He's like, ah, can't get it in. <laughs> and he starts banging the table. He starts like getting frustrated. He gets up, he walks away, and he comes back. He sits down. He's like, ah, I can't get it in. And he just starts yelling. He gets to a point, he gets so emotional that he almost starts to cry. And he's not in here, so I can say this, so I won't embarrass him. He almost starts to cry. He's like, oh, I can't get it. And I'm just sitting there the whole time going, I'm right here. In all of your distraction, in all of your frustration, in all of your distress, you don't even recognize your dad sitting there, someone who could help you. And I say, hey, buddy, what's up? He goes, I can't get it in. And he looks over at me, didn't even know I was there. And I'm like, do you want me to help? He goes, yes. <laughs> Come over and I do it. And he calms down. But sometimes I think that's what we do with prayer, right? In all of our distress, in all of our anxiety, in all of our pain and suffering, we don't go to God. But then all of a sudden, we go to him as a last resort. And I think like we've all been guilty of that, all right? We've all been guilty of that at some stage where we've tried to do all these things in our own strength. And when our own strength fails, finally then we turn to God and we ask for help. But here's the weird thing. Then we get upset when God doesn't fix it. Even though we wanted nothing to do with him at the start or all the way through, we get upset and think God's not doing enough. Oswald Chambers says, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. Sometimes prayer is like a total afterthought, right? Like we come to the end of ourselves, but what Oswald is saying here is he's saying it should be our, our actually defense. God shouldn't be our last line of defense. He should be our first line of strategy before we actually even need his intervention. And the problem is, we think we know what the best outcome is, that we'll always, we'll always want that outcome to be in our favor too. Like we'll be praying, we'll want God to answer our prayers in the way that we want the situation to go. And when we don't get that, we get upset with God. So what we're actually doing is we're acting like little children. We're acting like a five-year-old when they ask for ice cream and the mother or father says, no, you can't have it. Why? Because we actually know what's best for them. But sometimes we go to God and go, this is what I want. And when we don't get it, we get upset. Because what we need to understand is our culture puts very little value on prayer. Very little value. But in Jesus' time, there wasn't the advancements in technology and medicine like we actually have today. So most of the time, prayer was all they had. It was their first line of defense. It was their last line of defense. It was actually their only hope 2,000 years ago. So what I want to do is I want to answer three questions today for us. First one is, what is prayer? The second one is, how do I pray? And the third one is, do I actually hunger for prayer? So the first question, what is prayer? Well, the basic definition, the most basic definition of prayer is talking to God. Prayer is not meditation or reflection. It's actually directly addressing God Almighty. It is the communication of the human soul with the Lord who actually created that soul. 
And prayer is the primary way for believers to communicate our emotions, our desires, our feelings with God to fellowship with him. And I would say the definition of prayer is not only talking to God, it's actually talking with God. It's not only talking to God, it's talking with God. Because God is not a vending machine. God's not just there to to come when you need him most. God is a person. And if God is a person, we have a personal relationship with people, don't we? And therefore we communicate with him and therefore he will communicate with us. Imagine if I only spoke to my wife when I needed something. Probably going to say you do. (laughs) She'd feel like just a slave, right? She'd feel like a service or a product, not a person. But she's a person. And this is what we need to understand about prayer. Prayer is communication with a person. And communication with a person is more than just communicating when you need to get something. God actually wants to be involved in all of your life. I think that sometimes we have this false sense that God is so far away is because that's actually where we've put him. Like we've kept him at a distance and we don't actually talk with him. And then when we need and call on him in prayer, we wonder where he is. He's exactly where we've left him. It's like God's like, I've been here the whole time. It's like me sitting there with Eden. Eden, I've been here the whole time, but he couldn't even tell that I was there because he was so caught up in his issues. Second Chronicles 15.2 says, He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Asa was the king of Judah, Listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. He says, listen, Asa. He says, king, listen. If you are with God, if you seek God, he is with you. He is right there. But if we just don't have anything to do with him, if we're not praying, if we're not seeking him, he's not going to force his way in. God is not like that. He's not like, no, I have to step in here and, and sort this out. He's like, fine, like, I'll just stay in here and where you've left me. We actually need to listen and, and go forth in prayer and knowing that God is actually going to be there with us. So prayer is talking to a person. So prayer is not only talking to God, but it's talking with God. Could you imagine if I came up to you, Daniel, and every time we spoke, I'm like, hey, Daniel, how are you going? And I started telling you all the stuff I'm doing, and, and, and this is what I need from you. Okay. And just walked away. And next time I saw you, I did the same thing. Hey, Daniel. And, all right, Sam. And just walked off. You never had a chance to reply. That's kind of what we do to God. We pray. And we say all these things and we go, amen, deal with it. And it's just like, oh, maybe God wants to respond to us. If prayer is talking with God, maybe he wants to respond. Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. The psalmist is saying, I came to God. I came to God in prayer and he actually answered me. And that took away all my fears that I actually brought to him. So we see here in Scripture that God speaks to us. We actually need to listen for his response, but we don't. We just amen and we walk off. But how does God respond to us then? Well, the primary way God responds to us is through his word, through his holy scriptures. When we pray and when we read God's word, God speaks to us through his word. But he can also speak to us through the Holy Spirit, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like the psalmist says, I spoke to God, I came to God, I sought God. And he answered me. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can answer us with either conviction that we're, what we're bringing is wrong or with 
taking away that anxiety or the fear. Sometimes he speaks through other Christians. When we're praying to God and other Christians can come into that space, pray with us and speak over our lives. Sometimes he speaks through preaching of the word. It's amazing how often people come up to me or David and others and say, this is exactly what I've been feeling this week. I knew I had to come to church and and the message was exactly what I needed to hear. God spoke to me through that. But also God speaks to us audibly. Some people, it's all through the Bible, God speaks audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Probably scared the life out of me. People are like, oh, I wish I heard the voice of God. I'm like, really? Because if you do, you must obey it. But he does. He speaks audibly. He speaks through visions. He speaks through dreams. But here's the beauty. God communicates with his children. That's the lesson we learn there. Gordon Hinckley says, Let us never forget to pray. God lives. He is near. He is real. He is not only aware of us, but cares for us. He is our Father. He is accessible to all who seek him. You see, prayer is communication with God our Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Prayer is the Christian way of communicating with God. And that way we, we pray to praise God, to thank him and tell him how much we love him. We pray to enjoy his presence, to have fellowship with him and tell him what's actually going on in our lives. We pray to request and seek guidance and seek his wisdom. God loves this exchange with his children. He actually loves us coming and having an exchange with him, just like I love having exchanges with my kids when we talk. Our Heavenly Father loves it when we come and we talk to him in all of our issues that we have in life. Church, fellowship with God is the heart of prayer. Too often we lose sight of how simple prayer is and how simple it's actually supposed to be. So the second question is, well, then how do I pray? We all have struggles in prayer. Like, who struggles in prayer? It can be difficult, right? There's all different reasons why we would struggle. One of them is distraction. People like to go out in the wilderness and walk and pray. That's awesome. I can't do it because I get totally distracted. When I walk on the beach because I love surfing, I start praying and then I'm like, oh, that's a sick wave. Then I'm like, oh, that's right, what was I praying about? And then I keep going, and I'm like, oh, he just nailed that. That was awesome. I just can't, or I'll be on the bush, and I'm like, bird. I'm like, oh, no, that's right, I'm praying. So for me, I get easily distracted. When I was a pastor at New Life at Rabina, Ash and others would actually find me in the chair room at the back of the auditorium. I'd get to work in the morning, I'd go into the chair room where they store the chairs, I'd shut the door, it was pitch black, because I needed no distraction. And then people would come in there, get stuff out of the chair room, and I'd scare the life out of them because I was sitting in there, in there praying. But I'd just get distracted way too easy. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes we're actually scared to pray. Sometimes we don't want to pray in front of others because we don't think we're good at praying. You know, I remember being in Stu Cameron's small group. He was a lead minister at the time. I was a brand new Christian. And he invited me in the small group, and they all prayed. It went around the room. And it was coming to me, and I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm a new Christian. I don't know what to say. I'm going to say this. Dang it, he just said that. So now what do I say? <laughs> I was literally sweating. And it got to me. I can't even tell you what I said. Probably said, oh, I love you, Jesus. Amen. Or something weird like that. So fear, like fear can stop us from praying. Or not feeling like we're actually good enough to pray. Maybe we've not been walking with the Lord. Maybe we've sinned. And we don't feel holy enough to come and pray. Can I say that's probably the best time you need to pray? That God's grace wants you to come to him. He wants to restore you. You might say, well, I don't know what to say. We've all felt that. 
We all had the overwhelming sense of maybe a situation. You're like, you look at Ukraine and it's just like, God, I, I don't even know where to go with this. The Bible says that God will give us the words through the Holy Spirit. John Bunyan says, A prayer is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. It's better to come to God in prayer and go, God, I actually don't know what to pray, but you know my heart, rather than saying all the right Christian words that have no heart at all. You might say, I don't have time to pray. Really? Can we really say that? I can't say that. Yes, we're all busy, but can we really say we don't have time to talk to God? Like we all get distracted with Facebook or Netflix or the paper or you know, our things that we love, our leisure activities, but can we really say, oh, I just didn't have time to talk to God today? Martin Luther says this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. He understood that the busier he was, the more he needed the power of God. He understood the busier he was, the more temptation it was to, to conform to the world, to maybe get caught up in stress and anxiety and actually react in a way that's not cool. He understood that if he was so busy, he had to spend more time in prayer. Do we understand that or do we think, oh, I just don't have time? Or you might say, I don't know how to pray. That's good because that's what this whole series is about. We're actually going to walk through the Lord's Prayer and we'll learn the different types of prayer that we get the privilege to engage God with. And there's quite a different types of prayer that we'll find throughout this series. You know, if you've done Alpha, there is a video on prayer and there is this priest that talks about prayer. And I think his method is just perfect if you're starting out in prayer, if you're a brand new Christian, or if you've been a Christian your entire life, or you're a pastor. I use this prayer. I think it's the greatest method you could use. And he says this, he says, keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. When he talks about keeping it simple, he's saying, don't use fancy words. Like, yes, you'll hear pastors and others using lots of biblical words. God's not impressed by that. We just have to come to God like, I'm talking to you and you talk to me. We can just approach God like that. We can talk to him. Just keep it simple, like a simple conversation. We don't have to book a time. It doesn't have to be bang on 9 o'clock in the morning and bang on the clock at 9 o'clock at night. You can talk to him at any time. You don't have to kneel and put your hands together. There's nothing wrong with these things. If you want to book in a time, book in a time. If you want to kneel, kneel. But you can keep it simple. You don't have to do these things. But if you want to, you can. You don't have to use repetitive words. God heard you the first time. You don't have to keep saying it over and over again like that's going to give it more power. We don't have to repeat ourselves. Jesus says, don't be repetitive like those that stand on the corners. We can keep it private. Like I said, Jesus says, go to a private place. And when you're private with your Father who hears you, he'll openly reward you. So we don't have to stand on the street corner and go, look, everyone, look how good I pray. It's like this is an intimate relationship, an intimate conversation we can have with the Father. And he says, keep it honest. You know, God knows how we feel. God knows where we're at. God knows what we're going through. There's no use coming to prayer and putting on a face that is not genuine and not honest. Like, God, I praise you in this moment, but everything inside you is like, oh, you know, I'm struggling. Like, keep it simple. Come to him and be honest. There are times when you're upset. Let him know you're upset. There's times when you're frustrated. Let him know you're frustrated. There's times when you're overwhelmed with the situation in the world and you don't know what to pray. Come with that. You see, what we can do is we can use these emotions. God understands emotions. 
He understands we go through them. Use them as fuel for prayer. If you don't know what to pray, come to him simply at the beginning with that. God, at the moment, I'm tired. I feel overworked. I feel frustrated. Or I feel joyful. I've had an awesome day. Thank you so much. Use your emotions. Use your feelings. Be honest and use them as fuel for prayer. Look at the Psalms. If you ever want to go to the Psalms, look at them. They are honest. There are times where the psalmists are like, crush their heads. And you're like, whoa, I don't know if I come to prayer and be asking God to crush people's heads, but so on, fair enough. But they always come around in the end, they're like, but you are my salvation, but you are my help. And that's where God answers them. So keep it honest. Keep it going. As I said, prayer is not just for once a day where you go, okay, I've done my prayers for that, I'm done. Prayer is for all of life. Prayer is a conversation with God. So you can literally converse with God all day in everything you're doing. Imagine that you're hanging out with your best friend all day and they saw everything and heard everything that happened throughout the day. You'd talk about it, right? Like if you're driving in the car with your best friend, you don't drive in silence. You might be talking about the traffic, if someone's cut you off, like, oh, that's a bit ordinary. Yeah, I hate it when people do that. So you have a conversation with them, right? You go to the beach and you walk around the beach and like, man, I love these waves. Look at this beautiful like, scenery that we get to enjoy. Look at the weather, it's amazing. And you talk about it, right? Or you might go to lunch. You're like, how good is this food? Or how bad is it, depending where you go? If I made you lunch, you would be saying how bad it is. Or in a meeting. Say you're in a meeting with someone at the end, it's like, oh, when this happened, that happened. What do you think? Oh, I think you overreacted. Cool. And so when we have our friend with us all day, we converse with all of life, but for some reason, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have God present with us, and we never talk to him. We never invite him into any of those things. So prayer is conversation with God in all things because he knows all things. And unlike your friend who can actually give you really bad advice, God's not going to give you bad advice. He's going to give you good advice in every situation. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. He says, don't be anxious. Don't let frustration, don't let anger, don't let anything overtake you in everything, in every part of life. Bring them to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts. That's a promise that we see in the Bible there. That if we spend a life in communication with God, his peace will come upon us. You know, I'm always praying. I'm always praying throughout meetings. If we're in a meeting at work and I have feelings like maybe I feel offended, I'm like, God, why do I feel offended now? What is going on? What did they say that, that's brought offense up in me? And here's the beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit will bring correction. He goes, mate, that's just your pride. It's just you being prideful. I'm like, oh, okay. And I can just let that go. There are times when I'm in pastoral conversations with people and they're going through horrific things. And I'm literally praying while I'm meeting with them. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do or what to say. You need to give me wisdom. You need to give me discernment. Lord, I want you to speak through me. What do you want to say? And it's crazy how often God gives me something just to speak in those moments. All the times when I'm going through emotions, like hard emotions, I'm like, God, I'm really frustrated now. I really need your help. Not to overreact, not to, to be nasty. I need you to help me take away these emotions that I can see 
the situation for what it really is. And moments of joy. There's moments where I see my wife and my kids walking in front of me on the beach. And this joy just wells up in me. And I'm so thankful to God. And I just pray and I go, thank you, God, for the, they're such a gift. You're so amazing that you give me something that great. See, we can integrate prayer into all of our lives. It doesn't have to be special. It just needs to be real. And we actually have the joy of sharing all our emotions with someone. And therefore, we should, be, should never feel absolutely lonely, like life is lonely, but we actually have someone to talk to, someone who knows us better than anyone on the face of the earth. And so therefore, we can be fully honest with God because he knows the depths of my heart. He knows the depths of my situation, what I'm going through. And no one on earth can really understand that. No matter what I say to them, they're never really going to understand what I'm going through, but God does. And this is such a comfort to me because I know he is a loving father who fully understands me. And this is the beauty of prayer. It's a conversation with the only person who 100% knows me and knows my situation. And if I'm going to get guidance from anywhere, the best place to get guidance and wisdom would be God. And the more beautiful thing is, God knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus came in the flesh. He knows what it's like to be hated to be scorned, to be rejected. He knows what it's like to grieve, to see his friends die, to hear the news that John the Baptist had been beheaded. He understands what it feels like. We're not talking to a God sitting on a throne that doesn't understand what we go through. We're talking to a God who understands the depths of sin and the pain that that can cause. So keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it going. So does this give you a, a hunger and a desire now to pray? You see, the disciples ask this question, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Like I think, why do they ask this question? What actually prompted them to ask him? And I think they asked this question because prayer and communication was, with God was central to Jesus' life. Luke 11, 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished... One of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. You see, Jesus is off praying. And the disciples saw the power of a life drenched in prayer. They saw the power of prayer right before their eyes in Jesus. And this gave them a hunger to pray like Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh. Just think about that. And he still communicated with the Father through prayer. I love this about Jesus. When he was here in the flesh on earth, he had the same access to God as you and I do. And as Jesus lived a life of prayer in total surrender to God the Father and lived out his purpose and carried out his mission on earth, then so can we. We can have an intimate relationship with the Father just like Jesus did through prayer. Prayer was Jesus' way of communicating and we have the same ability and access as that as well. You see, the Gospels show multiple times that Jesus would go and spend time with the Father in prayer and seek his will for the day. Jesus would actually get up early before the sun came up, before anyone was awake, and he would go off by himself and he'd sit in prayer with God. He would seek God's will for the day. And the disciples would get up and go, where is he? <laughs> he was off praying. He would actually depart away from his disciples to pray as well. He'd be like, all right, you guys get in the boat. You go over there. I'm going up on that mountain to pray. I need time to spend with my father. 
But also there were times where he drew his disciples away to pray with him, away from the crowds. Things were getting too crazy. Hey, we need to come over here. We need to pray. We need to recenter ourselves. But here's the thing. Jesus would even pray in front of his disciples and all the crowd to show them how to pray, to show them this is how he communicated with the Father. So we would know that's how we get to communicate with him too. And because Jesus demonstrated this so well and so often, his disciples recognized the importance of prayer the effectiveness of prayer. And so therefore, they actually say to him, Jesus, teach us to pray as well. Do you understand the importance and effectiveness of prayer? Do you have a hunger for the Lord to teach you how to pray? Do you hunger for the will of God daily? Or is prayer just there when you want something, when you can't make it happen yourself? You see, hunger for God is hunger for prayer. Hunger for God is hunger for communication with your Father. Hunger for God is hungering for His presence. It's a hunger for relationship. Do you hunger for God? Psalm 63 says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. You see, the disciples had this kind of hunger And they ask the most important question a disciple can ask. Teach us how to pray. Have you asked that question? Do you have a desire to communicate with him in that way? Well, the disciples did, and they asked Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. He goes, oh, just prayer is optional when you have time. If you don't have time, don't worry about it. Just do it on Sunday or, you know, when you want something from me. That's not what he says. He responds with, when you pray. Jesus actually assumed that they would pray regularly like he did. It's like, hey, this is what you are going to do. Jesus is saying prayer is like eating. It's like when you eat, eat something healthy. Like it's not just a a daily thing, but it's an ongoing daily thing. And the disciples knew and saw this was an ongoing part of Jesus' life. Therefore, if we are followers of Jesus and he was in constant communication with the Father, then we absolutely need to be in communication with the Father. We need all the help we can get, right, to live in the grace and the love of God. Amen? It's funny, have you heard the, ever heard the saying, you are what you eat? Like if you eat lots of KFC and all that sort of stuff, you're not going to be overly healthy. There's another saying, tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you will become. Tell me who you hang out with and I will tell you who you will become. Are you hanging out with God in prayer? Are you in relationship, in communication with God? And prayer is this opportunity to hang out with God in every situation, in every moment, in every struggle, in every joy, in every emotion in life. We can do it all with God. And when we do that with God, when we commune with God, we become like him in these situations. More people, more like Jesus. Romans 12 says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Who would like to know God's will? Who would like to know God's will in our lives? How do we do that? How do we know God's will and be renewed in our mind? Well, Paul tells us in the same passage in verse 12, he says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. He's like, go to God. Don't let the world transform you. Don't, let be, don't be like molded into the pattern of the world when you're in trouble. Do all your power to do it on your own. He's saying, come to God. 
invite God into those situations. And to be honest, we should all be shocked that we get to, we get to communicate with God. We should be in awe and wonder that we get to communicate with the God of heaven. This awesome being that created the heavens and the earth, the whole universe, all the stars that we see in the sky, that awesome, almighty God we get to have communication with, we get to come before him in prayer. Like That should blow our minds. How often do we tell stories when we've met a famous person? Oh, I met this person at the airport. It was awesome. They spoke to me. <laughs> I got a selfie with them, right? We talk about all these people we speak to as if it's amazing, but then we go, oh, yeah, but I don't pray to God. I don't talk to God. We got unlimited access to the most powerful, most transforming being, the most loving being, the most caring being. We get access to the all-powerful, almighty God. Wow, really? I actually don't feel like I deserve that. I don't deserve to address the holy, righteous God in my sinful state. But here's the thing. We do get access to God through Jesus Christ. We should be so shocked and thankful we get to communicate with the holy, all-powerful God through Jesus. And here's the thing. Just because we get to communicate with God doesn't mean we get to tell God what's best and what we should actually receive. You know, sometimes God answers us in a red light, in a no. It's like I answer my kids sometimes. They're like, can we have ice cream for breakfast? I'm like, no. Not because I don't love them. I love them. I just know what's best for them. Sometimes we get an orange light. Sometimes it's like, you need to wait. Maybe I want to build character in you. I want to build resilience in you. Maybe God's trying to build something in us, and he says, no, wait. Other times it's a green light. God says, yes. But I love A.W. Tozer's comment here. He says, sometimes I go to God and say, God, if you never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship you as long as I live in the ages to come for what you have already done. God's already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I could not pay him back for what he has done for me. If God never answered a single prayer that we pray, he is still worthy of worship. If God never answered a single prayer that we prayed, we are still, he is still worthy of us to come and worship him on Sunday and with our entire lives for what he's already done. We sinned. We rejected God. In the Garden of Eden, we said, no, thank you. We don't want communion with you. We don't want relationship with you. And we turned our back on God. But God didn't leave us in that state. Love came in the form of Jesus Christ. He came in the flesh, fully man and fully God. And he goes, I'm actually going to deal with that problem. I'm going to deal with that rejection that happened in Genesis. I'm going to take on the sin of the entire world. And when I go to that cross, I'm going to nail it there. And when I go to the grave, I'm burying it forever. And when I rise again in victory over Satan, sin and death, all who repent and put their faith and trust in me receive forgiveness of sins, receive eternal life. Guys, the greatest miracle, the greatest answer to prayer is the gospel of Jesus. It's unbelievable. We've already received everything we need. His grace, his forgiveness, his love, his spirit. We've received eternal life. We actually have everything we need to live in the victory that Jesus won on the cross for us. And prayer is one way we can actually thank God for that unfathomable love and grace. And here's the hope we have. We actually look forward to all our prayers being answered when Jesus returns. 
You know, there is no unanswered prayer. When we pray for healing, when we pray for restoration of relationships, that is all coming. When Jesus returns, he's going to do away with all pain, all sin, all suffering. All tears will be wiped away. And we will be restored into perfect relationship with each other, but more importantly, with God. We won't be praying. We'll be talking to him face to face. I can't wait for that day where I see my Lord face to face and I can talk to him. Here's the beauty. We don't have to wait. We actually can start that conversation today with God through prayer. Will you? He's actually waiting for you to seek him. And Jesus promises if we do start this conversation with God, if we start interacting with him, in Matthew 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. God's like, come to me. If you're seeking truth, I am truth. If you want the door to eternal life, I'm the door to eternal life. If you're seeking salvation, I will give that to you. It's a free gift. It's grace. So what do we learn today? What is prayer? It's just simply talking to and with God because He is a person. He's a person we can have a conversation with. How do we pray? Keep it simple. Keep it honest. Just keep it going. The question we need to ask is, do we have a desire to pray? Because prayer is an integral part of the Christian life. We should be hungry. We should desire to communicate with our loving Father because God is love. If God is love, we can trust His response, whether it's red, orange, or green. I'm going to finish with this quote from Corrie ten Boom. I love Corrie. She's amazing. She says, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Does prayer direct your life? Is prayer the driver of your life? Is prayer the, the, the means of how you actually go about your life? Or is it just a spare will for when you, you need an emergency? Oh, I need you to step in here, but I don't want you to direct me where I'm going. You see, I think we all need prayer. I desperately need it. And when we give Jesus a steering wheel, we know he's going to take us in the right direction. And in a moment, we're going to sing a song and the team's going to sing it over you. And I suggest you just sit there. Here's a perfect moment for you to start that conversation with God. Keep it simple. Keep it honest. Use your emotions. Use your situations. Use that as fuel for prayer and come to God and go, God, you actually know what I'm feeling right now. And maybe you've never understood that there is a loving God that you can have relationship with. You thought he was up there and he wanted nothing to do with you. Well, I've got news for you today. He came and died for you. He wants a deep, intimate relationship with you. And so maybe in this moment, it's your opportunity to say, God, forgive me of my sin. And I accept your love for the first time. So as they play this song over us, how about we start that conversation with God? And we're going to be down the front here. A few of us are going to be down the front to pray. 
we would love to stand with you in prayer. So if you want someone to stand with you, to pray with you, to seek God in his face, then I'd encourage you, come down. It's not awkward. Church, it's not awkward. Do you know what it's called? It's called love. There are people here that genuinely love you and want to stand with you in prayer and and see the hand of God move. So if you need prayer for anything, please come down the front as we play this song. But otherwise, this is time for us to, to start that conversation. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Knowing you are a good, good God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in this moment. Would you speak to us? Would you communicate with us? And Lord Jesus, as you looked to heaven, when you raised Lazarus from the dead and you said, Father, I know that you hear me. God, we know that you hear us because we are your children. So God, we cry out to you in this moment that you would meet us where we're at. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.